Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Do you hear that? Hear what? I'm receiving some sort of transmission. You don't hear it? No, I don't hear anything. What does it sound like? It's some sort of music. Music? Routed through the main system. Good idea. Routing now. Welcome back to another episode of Wookiee Radio. I'm Ken. Sitting along here with me is Derek, and we're missing someone here. Yeah, strange, well, that one. I, Mike was coming through me. As we were coming through the security checkpoints, heading over to our hidden rebel location, uh, I watched you walk right through the checkpoint, no problem. I walked through the checkpoint, no problem. Mike got stopped, so I've, I've not seen him since then. Well, he does look kind of suspicious, so. Yeah, so I don't know if he just didn't have his papers together. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, but Mike is not going to be with us this week. Hopefully he'll be back next week uh, for or for the next show. And... I hope we don't have to do a, uh, a Death Star-style prison break. Yeah. Hey, if we have to, we have to. We may have to um, go get Obi-Wan Kenobi. He'll be our only hope. <laughs> so, Derek, how you been, man? Oh, pretty good. How about you? Pretty good. I actually, um, well, before we get into what I actually was doing last weekend... Uh, we should probably tell all the listeners that we're actually changing up Wookiee Radio a little bit. We're going to be changing our format just a little. Uh, Derek and Mike and I have been sitting and talking, and we realized that, you know what, there's a lot of shows covering Star Wars news. A uh, few. <laughs> so uh, we're going to try to – we're still going to cover some of the news. Any major news stories that hit, we're going to put them on Wookiee Radio. I mean, you can't not do it. All right. But we're going to try to go a little bit more conversational. And more of um, exploring basically the more the realms of what Star Wars is in our lives and stuff. Does that sound about like what we were thinking about? Yeah. And so, we'll be talking more about, you know, just how things, our thoughts on things and, and uh, things like that. Maybe do some exploring into the universe and such. Maybe like our ideas on how the Force works and things like that. Yeah. Uh, we'll, have, we'll have some like conversation, real just regular conversations. Exactly. Make you feel like you're sitting in the room with us and we're just talking Star Wars. I mean, that's the way right. it works. I love it. Right. I love doing it that way. Um, and yeah. actually, t- what today's major topic we're talking about is uh, last weekend, my my wife and I, Vicky and I, actually were able to go down to Cincinnati, Ohio, to the um, Cincinnati Museum Center at Union Station, which if anybody hasn't seen this building... It's basically, it is the Hall of Justice from the Super Friends. And then I found out that actually the Hall of Justice, the when they were drawing it for Super Friends, was based on this building. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, the last picture uh, the last picture on the list, if you scroll all the way down to the bottom, is the picture of the building. It's under construction right now. They're doing a major renovation of the entire building. Pretty much the only exhibit that's open is the Star Wars exhibit, and there's a children's museum inside. So the Natural <laughs> History Museum is totally closed. Oh. But can you see that picture? Yep. With all the cranes, that 
it is the Hall of Justice. Oh uh, yeah. So, uh, but the that's really cool. The Star Wars exhibit that's the Star Wars and the power of costume. Now, uh, I think we talked about this when we heard it was touring, didn't we? Like back in February or March, wasn't it? Yeah, I think we did, yeah. So, but this is the first chance I've got to go down there. And I we actually went there kind of by mistake. We were driving home from Kentucky and I knew about the Hall of Justice or the building, the Cincinnati Museum Center. So I told Vicky, it's like, we got to at least stop just to take a um, look at the building and get some pictures. And then I saw the big signs outside for Star Wars. I'm like, oh, well, okay, I guess I have to stop now. I don't have a choice. <laughs> it's interesting that you went there for uh, DC and you end up staying for Star Wars. <laughs> exactly. Well, I've said it on uh, Superpowers and uh, say here, I've said it here that Star Wars is my first love. Right. I love DC Comics and um, everything about it, but Star Wars was number one. <laughs> Right. So anytime you can mix the two together, that's even better. Yes, it is. Although, you know, even though Star Wars is technically Marvel, but hey, we won't. <laughs> well, no, no, no. No, no, no. Marvel just happens to have the rights for it. Star right. Wars is the not is a thing unto himself. That is very true. So are you able to actually open up the pictures for this? Yep. Okay. So uh, we'll get to the one where this says Star Wars and the power of costume on the wall. Now, I took pictures of just about everything in this place. Now, the only rules they said with pictures was no flashes. And you're not allowed to jump <laughs> on the stages because a lot of these costumes were actually just sitting on a stage on a mannequin. There oh, was really? no, no glass around it or anything else. No kidding. So it, you first walk into this exhibit, and um, Vicky and I did it re- really, really fast, and we got through it in about an hour and a half. Wow. But it's something, if you take your time, you're three or four hours to go through this whole thing. But um, you click through the first thing. There's a video that basically talks about the what happened with costumes in Star Wars and stuff. They have some quotes painted on the walls as you're going up this ramp. Then you turn the corner, and the first thing you see is Sir Alec Guinness's Obi-Wan Kenobi costume from 1977. That's awesome. That's the original screen-used um, costume. And um, I wasn't the only one, but I didn't realize when I walked up, I was excited to go into this this but um after i took one or two more or um about five minutes into it i'm sitting there it's like i was actually getting misty-eyed for some reason i did (laughs) not expect the any kind of reaction like that at all and i guess i wasn't the only one vicky said there was a couple of guys she said and it was mostly guys that walked in that their girlfriends or wives were actually trying holding them up a little bit (laughs) (laughs) and i think it was this costume here that set me off was sir alec guinness's costume and it was amazing looking at it. You, I mean, the, those are just regular cowboy boots underneath, and the way, it, just the way everything sits and things was great. So, um, but you start there. The first two costumes sitting there, that and Queen Amidala's dress that had uh, the red dress with all the lights in the bottom of it, were sitting there. Um, they also had on display uh, um, one of the original storyboards um, for of the opening crawl, and it's basically just the Star oh. Wars crawling up the screen. That's really cool. So feel free if you see any pictures that, that you have questions about, let me know as I'm going through this. But we see yeah. Amidala's dress, the red dress. Um, there was a couple of – there's a lot of concept art here. And in this first alcove that we had, had a, um, a couple of different sets of um, things. And uh, like I said, this whole thing is based on costumes. But um, a lot of behind-the-scenes pictures and stuff here, some of them I'd seen, some of them I hadn't. Um, and some of them that I was surprised because I hadn't seen where the inspiration actually came from. Like, they had some pictures of some of the Nazi uniforms from World War II and how closely they resembled the cut of the Imperial uniforms. Right. I had never actually looked side by side with it. So there's a lot of videos um, that were playing in the walls, um, the Ralph McQuarrie artwork. But you go around the corner, and do you see the picture with Darth Maul in the middle? Uh, Get to it. Uh, I'm not sure what picture number it is on here, but... 
There's actually yes. you, after that first initial, just this is what the concept of and what pick or um, costumes are. You know, remember all the costumes on display here are screen used costumes, and you had um, you have a raised dais with Darth Maul in the middle holding his lightsaber. Then you have um, Mace Windu. Qui-Gon Jinn, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Luminara Unduli all basically standing around him set up in a battle scene. That's awesome. Uh, and Mace Windu and Luminara's two cost, or two lightsabers, they actually had a button on the um, on the backside on a couple podiums where you hit the button and it would actually light the lightsaber up. Oh, cool. And then in the cases around it, you see the um, they actually had the actual lightsabers that were used on screen, the props. They had all of the, the four lightsabers from them, plus um, Darth Maul's. Oh, that's so awesome. Um, and across behind them, they had Jake Lloyd's young Anakin Skywalker Padawan robes and Luke Skywalker's Return of the Jedi robes. Oh, nice. Uh, then we get through more close-ups of the mannequins. And like I said, most of these are just sitting on a stage. You're only about a foot and a half away from them. Mm. Tempting. I was going to say, it's got to be tempting to reach out and just... Mm-hmm. On the platform there, you can see they actually have Watto's um, chance cubes, too, from uh, episode one, when they're huh. rolling for the slaves. Oh, yeah. Um, some of the concept, a lot of pencil sketch costume, or um, concept art, including, well, this one here, they have actually Emperor Palpatine's robes from Return of the Jedi also, was in the background. Oh. That was actually behind that dance when you first look in. Oh, I love the pose, too. Yeah. Well, that's because that that's actually pointed at the Darth Maul fighting the Jedi. Yeah. And then you see, this is something I had never seen, and I, I don't even know in pictures I've seen much of it. They actually had Palpatine or Sidious's lightsaber from Episode 3. Oh, wow. And the... Oh. And, Look how small that is. It's only yeah. like a one-handed lightsaber. That is awesome. So um, then there's the button for Luminara and Mace. Uh, let's see, skipping through. Um, some of the next... Now, the second concept picture after that, I had heard about the Darth Maul, uh, the Night Sisters and Mother Talzin from the Clone Wars being based on Darth Maul. Well, here's the uh, actual concept, the original concept drawing that they took that from. Yep. Uh, and then some action shots. The next set of the, um, let's see, more lightsabers. Oh, then I, then I had to go back and get a picture in front of Alec Guinness. <laughs> the next set of, um, now each of these rooms of the displays were set with a um, with a name. The one we saw with Darth Maul and all those guys, that was actually called Jedi versus Sith. The next room, basically, of the exhibit, which is, um, they're basically all divider walls because it's a mobile exhibit, was called Royalty. And it was Padme and um, Princess Leia and comparing and contrasting their different styles and the way they were designed. Um, hmm. And then it, a lot of this exhibit was dominated by Padme's wardrobe. But right. Padme, uh, but the wardrobe for the three movies that she had, she had like 15 costumes in each one. Oh, yeah. So, and then a lot of cost, costume design was put into that. But it was interesting seeing how the simplified Leia's robes, because the, they had um, Carrie Fisher's Leia costume from 1977, <coughs> sitting right beside the um, Queen Amidala's gray dress, uh, and then some concept art from that. Yeah, that, actually, that's the white gown from 1980. From Oh, that Empire Strikes Back. She didn't wear the white gown in Empire, did she? Nope. So I think that someone messed up when they made that sign. Yeah, they must have. But you get all the handmaidens, dresses, and robes, and traveling cloaks and things. The one thing I did notice was you're not allowed to use flash in this, but you'll see when you flip through some of these, some of these pictures are on the dark side because they look great when you're there, but they're not lit for picture taking. Oh, yeah. So, and then that's 
that's cool. The one with um, I'm looking at the one with the hair that's coming down. The a lot of these are Asian designed, but the one where it looks like she's got the two ponytails on either, one on either side. Yeah, Padme Amidala's dress. It's the mm-hmm. red. Anybody who's not obviously looking at the pictures, it was her um, red dress that um, I believe this is when um, Anakin came and looked was looking for Padme, and she said he was um, Padme had to run an errand for. Her. You remember that part? Yep, I do. So, then we go through. Then we have the male and female Tusken Raiders. Now, the male one is from the original 1977 A New Hope. The female was from uh, Attack of the Clones. Right. And it took me a minute when I first saw the females. Like, wait a minute. There were no female ones in A New Hope, but that's <laughs> because there weren't. <laughs> I know, right? When you said that, I'm like, wait a minute, what? And I'm like, oh. Um, and then the last one in royalty, before you get to Scoundrel, because the next exhibit is Outlaws and Outri- Outsiders. That's where the uh-huh. Tuscan Raiders go in. But they had Leia's original um, gold bikini and nice. the Boosh costume. Oh, cool. With the uh, thermal detonator. And, on uh, a side note, uh, the other day my wife surprised me by showing me that she had bought a new apron. Um, and it, it's the uh, it's the uh, gold costume. Oh, Leia. yeah. <laughs> I was like, I approve. <laughs> yeah. that's I've seen that, co- that um, apron. That is awesome. Yeah, but um, one thing that I I noticed, especially with the Carrie Fisher and the um and Natalie Portman's costumes, they are tiny. I mean, oh. on screen they look small, but you don't realize it until you see how close they are. And that thermal yeah. detonator is about the in the movie it looks pretty big, you know. Mm-hmm. This it's about the size of a baseball. It's not even softball size. Yeah, I guess so. That, yeah, that would make sense. But then moving on from there, because you got into the um the next part of the exhibit was the Outlaws and Outsiders. And you get um, one of the painted concept drawings of um, Jabba's palace and what that scene would be like. That um, is beautiful. Oh yeah, I would love. That's one. That's like a mantelpiece painting. If they had a big, I mean, obviously this one wasn't big enough, but you get a print of that big enough. Oh yeah, go right above the fireplace. That would be awesome. And that one's a Ralph McQuarrie too. Oh cool. And then the next costume they show is Zam Wessel from Attack of the Clones, and uh, oh, she yeah. had some really cool stuff on her costume. But then you turned around. Let me see. Oh wait, I'm going the wrong direction. Turned around behind Zam Wessel, you get the original Boba Fett costume from Empire Strikes Back, and uh-huh. on the same dais right behind him is the Jango Fett. Yeah. Uh, then more paintings and concept drawing. There you go. The the one I got the picture of the two backpacks side by side is kind of funny. Oh wow! You see the difference huh. between Jango's costume looking almost brand new, and Boba's yeah. looks like it's been through the wars. Yep. I never even realized that uh, difference in their jetpacks there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Django's is much smaller. Django's is straight a jetpack. That's Actually, Django's is closer to what you see in um, Rebels and the Clone Wars. Yeah. Whereas Boba's has the rocket launcher and all that stuff on it. Mm. Uh, let me... Yeah, they got a, they, they, they did put up the picture of um, George Lucas with the original Wookiee, which was his, um, his dog was named Chewbacca. Oh, yeah. Then they had um, this... Now, this exhibit goes from... Uh, the original six or seven movies. So it's from episode one all the way through The Force Awakens. So we actually have Finn and Ray's costumes. Oh, nice. And uh, like I said, most of these are just sitting out in the open. Uh, I like that they have like their weapons and stuff, too. That's kind of yeah. cool. All their accessories and everything are on with is all these. Yeah. Next next one up was um, they're getting to they have Han and Chewie on here, but I had to take a picture of there's a vest with some like tubes attached to it. The original Chewbacca costume for Peter Mayhew did not have any kind of cooling at all. Oh, wow. So um, anything they did out in the desert or anything else, he was pretty much just suffering. Oh, 
Well, when they, for the prequels, they, when they brought Chewbacca back in, they actually designed a cooling vest to go inside, and they would actually – it's basically a um, slip-on tunic type thing with plastic tubes or rubber tubes running along it, stitched to it, that they would run ice water through. Mm. So – and then we have Chewbacca concept art, and then you get to – Han and Chewie sitting standing together. Now I have a couple of friends who do um, love to do cosplay and have, make their own costumes and stuff. And um, my friend Heather, she was actually looking at Han's pants because it's a lot of people are surprised that there's not a red stripe on his pants oh, because yeah. it's called a Carillion blood stripe. Everybody thinks it's red, but no, it's actually yellow. And um, she was saying how a lot of people cosplayers have a hard time figuring out how to get the stripes down the pants like that. So she did mm. a zoom in to see what this is. Every one of those stripes is hand embroidered. Wow. If you zoom in on it, you can see it. That's why it's not perfect. Wow. That's some of the wow. detail they put into these. I can't even imagine how long that took to do. Yeah. The costume people did a fantastic job. That, and I was surprised by how thin Chewbacca is. No, I don't know if that's just because he's yeah. on the. It, I don't know if that's because it's on a mannequin or that's just the costume itself. Peter Mayhew may have been a really thin guy. Uh, I've, I've actually met Peter Mayhew. Um, down in, uh, down at, uh, when I went to Florida a few years ago and he is, he is that skinny. He's so, wicked tall and wicked thin. That that's some of these guys I would love to meet before they're gone. Yeah. If I ever get a chance. Peter May, who was really, he was a really nice guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've heard that about him. Everybody, everything I've heard was that he's one of the coolest dudes out there. And if he has time, he'll just sit down and you guys could just sit there and he'll swap stories and he'll just shoot the breeze with you. Yeah. We That's talk, the guy we, we need to talk to Mike, or we got to see if we can get him on the show. Oh, uh, yeah, that would be awesome. He'd probably do I it, too. I bet he would. So, Peter Mayhew, if you're listening. That's right. We want to have you on the show. <laughs> the next section up, they had the droids. This was cool because they actually have a lot of the parts and pieces from the original C-3PO costumes. And um, a lot of it, they were saying that major, some of the major problems they had with C-3PO was the fact that all the wires yeah. and stuff inside to make it look like... Um, they took a lot of the wires you see on the stomach and then on in like the elbow br- brackets and stuff. They had to mm-hmm. do that because originally they didn't have bending points there. In order for him oh. to be able to move, they had to figure out, okay, how are we going to hide the uh. fact that he's got to be able to move? <laughs> wow. So they put it, that's why they sewed like wire to a shirt and put it underneath. Um, did, I can't tell. Did they have, did they have his silver leg? Um, let me back up and look here. Looks like one of, yeah, it looks like they have one of the feet. It's possible. But once we get to the other picture. Because you spin around, no, that's all gold on this one. Mm. They have actually, they had the full C-3PO costume standing up on a stage beside BB-8 oh, yeah. and R2-D2. Yeah. yeah. Then they had just a collection of different parts and pieces that would st- flip out of R2. I seen that. Seeing the BB-8 must have been cool too. Yeah, BB-8 was awesome. He's a, it's a little itty bitty droid, but still. Yeah. And all of this stuff, I was just awestruck, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, but the next section of the exhibit was all creatures. And a lot of what they had in creatures was a lot of just the concept art. They had, they did have one, cre- one major creature here, though. Cause, uh, you spin her, you got through all this concept art, and I had to take pictures of the nameplates so you knew what goes, so I knew what goes with what. Right. But then you get to the end of this, and they had Wicket the Ewok. The original Wicket costume holding the, um, batons huh? to play the drums, and yeah. they have the Stormtrooper helmet also. <laughs> So awesome. some of these costumes that were not designed to last this long. So it's amazing that they still have some of these, like especially the creature costumes and stuff. That's the problem is a lot of the masks don't didn't survive. Right. The latex degrades over time. 
Mm-hmm. So this was the yeah this was the original Wicked the Ewok costume with the helmet and mallets from 1983. Then we get into the Hall of the Military, and you get the Stormtrooper display, which had a Stormtrooper, a Force Awakens Stormtrooper, and then a Snowtrooper on the backside. And what I noticed oh, with wow. the regular Stormtrooper was this is a beat up, dirty or Stormtrooper armor. Right. Whereas the and you see with the First Order, they're all gleaming and white and almost perfect and pristine. Yep. Uh, then you had they had this set up so that um, those. That display with the stormtroopers was on a dais right in the center as you first step in. Then you had one wall that was all rebel and oh, another cool. wall that was all empire. So this one here was a collection of Y-wing and B-wing helmets. There was four awesome. different ones here. Uh, they had, I believe, these are all 1982. So these were all Y-wing helmets. And then um, mm. you see they put Luke Skywalker's original X-wing jump jumpsuit from 1983, Captain Typho from uh, Revenge of the Sith. And then huh. one of the Resistance X-Wing jumpsuits from the 2015 on the mannequin sitting together. Oh, awesome. And you can see the major difference. Like You can see in The Force Awakens the difference with the helmets, but it's kind of drastic when you see it there, the, how the helmets for The Force Awakens X-Wing fighters came in on the faces and stuff. Yeah, really. But it's cool seeing the banner, the rebel banner right behind them and stuff. Yeah. Then you got I got the close-ups of them. And then you got the, the other one, the jumpsuit. This here was actually a Y-Wing... Um, Black vest type deal. These are for the breather vests and stuff. Yep. And then the next one, you go over to the Imperial side. And this is where you see a lot of the Nazi photos and stuff and how close they look to the cut of the Imperial uniforms. Then on the wall, you had a speeder bike um, or scout trooper helmet from 82. You get a TIE fighter pilot from 77. The Imperial officer from 83 with his hat and code cylinders and everything. And uh, like you were saying, these guys have the blasters and everything else on them. Yeah. And then you get a TIE pilot from 2015. So you see the difference between the two different type pilots. Huh. Um, and then you had the uh, just a couple of the Death Star, gun- uh, Death Star gunner helmet and then the regular just officer's helmet. Then we moved into the Galactic Senate. And you see the blue Galactic Senate guard with the um, almost Roman-style helmet with the big feathers yeah. on it. I love that. Um, and then they had across the one side of the room, there's a panorama view of this later on. You get Senator Amidala's uh, dresses from the Galactic Senate uh, from O2 from Attack of the Clones. You get Bail Organa's costume from Revenge of the Sith. Masamita, oh. that one's uh, Revenge of the Sith. Oh, cool. uh, Mon Mothma. I like um, how they even have uh, his headpiece there. Yeah. Masamita's headpiece. Yeah, it's That's interesting awesome. how they did that as actually part of the costume, is not as much as part of the makeup. Yeah. But we get Mon Mothma from the, and then, um, Sly Moore. And then if you go to the end, to the panorama, you'll see that it's actually all in one display along the wall. All, and it looks like they're standing, what they're standing on looks almost like Senate pods. Huh. And then on the floor, that symbol of the Galactic Senate was actually being projected on the floor from a projector above. Oh, cool. And then the other wall on the backside of them was the evolution <clears throat> of Palpatine. Starting with uh, his robes from Naboo when he was Senator Palpatine. Then you get the Chancellor Palpatine robes, and then you move on to Darth Sidious. Uh, then the next set was all um, the rest of Padme's costumes, or was the next set of these. So you get a lot of different ones in here, because you have, um, when she was piloting the fighter from uh, in the beginning of Episode 3, um, a lot of her dresses from like the Lake Country, The um, they had the costume with the ripped uh, ripped midriff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they um, resembled very similar to what Leia was wearing in a couple places. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of concept art, more dresses. It's Padme's journey and the different things she wore as she got older and as they um, aged the character up. 
Uh, and the last one they had from this part of the exhibit is, there we go, Anakin and Padme's wedding attire from when they were married at the lake. And the cool oh, thing yeah. is, if you look, Anakin's robotic hand is actually hanging out the bottom of the robe. They actually put the the robotic hand on the mannequin. Oh, that's cool. And from there, you see, the now you can see where it says Darth Vader. It's just a... Then you turn the corner, and you got some concept art, and that's all you see. Until you turn the corner, and there's the Darth Vader costume. And this was actually Hayden Christensen's costume from uh, uh, or, uh, Revenge of the Sith. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was amazing. They actually have him set up force choking. Yeah. But, With uh, the, the lava behind him and stuff. Yeah. Like I said, they put a lot into this. For a roving exhibit, a lot of this stuff is painted right on the wall. Wow. So they put a lot of work into it. Uh, yeah, this was the 2005 Revenge of the Sith costume. They have a lot of the concept art, but the other one, the picture here that with all the foam, that's actually looking inside one of the Darth Vader stunt helmets that they used. So you can see what the um, the actor wearing the costume, what he was looking out of. Oh, wow. And they had it turned around, so that's what's actually facing everybody. Hmm. But um, then there's one more part in the exhibit. You turn the corner from Darth Vader, the last thing that's actually part of the exhibit was they had the original Yoda puppet on display. Now, this oh, one was cool. definitely under glass. Yeah. <laughs> but it was the original 1979 Yoda puppet. This is the one, if I remember right, um, about 10, 15 years ago, they actually had to do a major, major restoration on this because this was actually falling apart. No one had done anything to it. Oh, I think I remember that. Yeah. I think it was about the time of um, when they were making the prequels. They realized how beat up this puppet was actually getting. Mm. So they had to basically rebuild the puppet. But And I got a lot of pictures of, the, of just different angles of Yoda. And he is just as small as you expect him to be. <laughs> but that was the end of the actual exhibit, traveling exhibit. But since this is in Cincinnati, and anybody who doesn't know, Kenner Toys, the people who originally made the Star Wars toys for everybody, was based in Cincinnati, was their world headquarters, and where their plants were. So, oh wait, no, this was actually part of the exhibit also. They, you see the three pictures on the wall? Those are set up to Star Wars Connect or um, Xbox Connect type camera. So that when you're, you could dance in front of it and the picture would dance, would do what you're doing. <laughs> and you would uh, actually raise one arm to change what the picture is. They, they had like a C-3PO, a Stormtrooper, a couple of other things in there. There's a bunch of kids <laughs> playing it, so I didn't get a chance. To, I wanted to play it. <laughs> so, but then you turn the corner and they have the Kenner and Building of an Empire exhibit. Um, and you see they have all the um, starships flying around ab- on the above yeah, um, that's awesome. A lot of different stuff on the um, different lines of Kenner toys. Uh, you can see uh, just flipping through the, the, a lot of the action figures. They even had stuff in the boxes here from the droids and Ewoks cartoons to the different yeah. play sets. Awesome. Um, I was impressed by seeing the um, the Wicked the Ewok talking telephone. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't know they had that. Um, then the Ewok Village, I have this Ewok Village. I don't have all the parts, but I have a lot of them. In the same one, they have um, some of the Hoth playsets and the um, AT-AT. Yep. Uh, this one, the next one has the Death Star playset, and it's a complete Death Star playset. And these are, a lot of these are set out, and uh, so that anybody's not seeing, they have a Death Star playset set up as a um, diorama type with figures and stuff on it. And I believe this one actually had the foam in the trash compactor and stuff like that. Oh, cool. But you also have the to, sand crawler. No, what was that? I used to, I used to love that Death Star playset. Yeah, I never got a chance to get one, but... I have the um, actual playset part of it, but none of the accessories for the Star Destroyer. So I have the actual Star Destroyer itself. I don't have any of the parts that go with it, though. I remember that, too. The, 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 uh, this Death Star playset, it had uh, used to have a little rubber Dianaga that came with it. That was so awesome. Yeah. Well, from what I've heard from most people, the, um, the <laughs> problem that 
you can get all the pieces for this, but the original foam that comes with it, it was made what it was made out of basically deteriorates over time, so it basically has turned into dust by now. Unless you I'm had it surprised. like an airtight bag. Yeah. So you really cannot get the original foam for it. You just have to get your own new foam and put it in. But in the same case, they have the old radio, the original radio-controlled sand crawler. Oh, and that's it, something I wish I had. On the back side here is actually a prototype that was never put out of a droid factory. Oh wow! Then they had huh. the um, 12-inch scale uh, figures. Oh, nice! The vintage 12-inch scale, I should say. <laughs> Look uh. at that Chewbacca and how just toy it looks. And then yeah. Luke and Leia looked like straight up like Barbies. I know. I love the IG-88 on the end. Yeah. It's <laughs> interesting. Out of all the bounty hunters, they chose to make IG-88. Mm. So, and then they had just a lot of the different boxes and packaging and the way it was done. Um, I wouldn't mind the one up from the bottom, the Max Rebo and the band. I wouldn't mind getting that set. Oh, I used to have that. I have Jabba and the Deus. I don't have the accessories to go with it. Mm. A lot of the stuff yeah. I've got was, um, I didn't have a lot of Star Wars toys growing up, but I've picked them up at flea markets and stuff like that. So you got to pick and choose what you actually get. I had a ton of stuff. But, I, um, had, uh, I had but, that, uh, I had the B-Wing toy. I had the Y-Wing toy. Ugh, this is bringing back such, so much memories. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, hey, you're not that far from Cincinnati. This is here until the beginning of October. Oh, is it? Yeah. Nice. So it's got a nice long run. And then from there, I think it's moving to somewhere. Mike was saying it's moving to, I think, Tampa. Cincinnati's a lot closer than Tampa for you. Yeah, no kidding. I wonder if it's coming up my way at all, though. I don't know. We'd have to look it up on the website. Mm. Uh, but I'll then you I'll, had... What? I'll have to look into that. Then they basically showed the um, original mailway certificate for the um, first set of toys, because they didn't have them ready for Christmas yet. And then just a little bit about the history of Kenner. I didn't realize some of the stuff Kenner had made. <laughs> Kenner now, was basically Hasbro and Mattel together before they actually were out there. Yeah. Now, here's, here's a funny story. I don't know if I ever told this one before, but when, <laughs> when I was a kid... For some reason, my sister used to bite the heads off of some of my Star Wars guys. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why. She, I don't think she remembers why. But anyway, so she bit the head off of my Obi-Wan Kenobi. So I used to just use his body as like the ghost of Obi-Wan. Oh, nice. <laughs> and then, and then uh, I had the Death Star Trooper there with the black helmet, the Death Squad commander. Excuse me. Yeah. And uh, she bit his head off. So I used to use his head as the... Uh, when I played the scene from Empire when Luke went into the, the cave in Dagobah. And he oh, fought, yeah. The, remember the ghost? And it, it blew out the head. The yeah. Mass. I used to use that as the Luke head. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it works. It, it was a helmet. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, continue. Well, that's like, well, growing up, it's like we grew up at the right time where the 80s was the perfect time to be a kid. I actually oh, heard yeah. this on another um podcast that it's as you look through the 50s and early 60s was the perfect time to be a teenager because people mm. were starting to do cruising people kids were actually be able to get their own car stuff like that and right, all the teenager yep. stuff was you learned how to be a teenager in the 50s and early 60s um the 70s uh, the were starting to get to where the, the best time to be a kid but be, especially in the 80s when it came to toys and cartoons and stuff the 80s was the best time to be a kid oh yeah without a doubt so and it, looking at this these displays on this that tells you why and now mm. in the um, 2000s and 20 teens or whatever you want to call where we're at now it's best time to be an adult who never grew up <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> but um the last picture here yeah the last picture inside is actually a mural that was painted that was painted on the outside of the kenner factory i didn't realize some of the i didn't know that like strawberry shortcake and um mr potato head were kenner and the ghostbusters toys were kenner and care bears oh wow yeah. 
I did have to um, talk to someone, or some kid was asking, "Is like, is that a transformer? The little, um, the or Camaro or Firebird down in the bottom left?" No, he was asking not. if that's a transformer to his mom. I was like, uh, "No, that's Mask. Look it up." Yeah, <laughs> I wish they'd do a Mask revival. They they are at IDW. IDW yeah, is I'm, re- put out I'm the reading comic. the comic. Yeah, but I mean, like, bring back the toys and stuff. And oh yeah, uh, well, those were tiny toys too. Like, yeah, they were. Yeah, the figures I were. Would, yeah, I would like to see them brought back in like the the three and three quarter inch scale. That'd be awesome. And uh, like, bring back a, a new cartoon or whatever. Yeah. Well, they need to put out a lot of the new. The problem is that some of those action cartoons. I think they would have to dial them back a little bit for t- now. Yeah, unfortunately. The last couple of um, pictures I have were actually panorama pictures I took. One is the Hall of the Military. So you got to think that's actually a wraparound picture. Mm. You can skip the one from Gen Con last year. I didn't realize <laughs> I was in there when I did these. <laughs> and then um, the other one, they ha- I had a couple of wraparound pictures from the se- the Senate one of the different uh, senators. And uh, you can see where they're sitting like on their pods. Oh, yeah. And I think that's the last picture we have on here. So overall, this... Um, it was it was like twenty four dollars each to get in. I think it's well worth it, especially if you're a Star Wars fan. If you're listening oh, to this yeah. show, you should be a Star Wars fan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why else you'd be listening, but hey. So I I don't know. Um, I like I said, I had a blast, and I did not expect to get emotional when I first walked into it. But it's just you walk around that corner and see Alec Guinness's cost original costume that he was wearing in Tunisia in 1977. Right. It was just it was something about it. So yeah, like, uh, when when like I told you before, when I went years ago, I went to a there was another exhibit that had a lot of the uh, props and ships, and it even had like a, a full size land speeder and stuff. Yeah, and just just walking through that, I felt the same way. I was just like, I don't know, it was just like this feeling that washed over me. I was just like, this is amazing. <laughs> And I, I can't even explain what it was. I don't know if I was just happy or if I was, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Vicky's like, like I said, my wife looked had looked around when we walked in also. Now, she's a Star Wars fan also, but she's not been as big a fan for as long as I have. All right, yeah. She was, when I first met her, she was, she said, I call it, she was a closet geek. She didn't know she was a geek. <laughs> because she'd never been exposed to half the stuff. All right. So she was a couple years younger than me, so she came in at the end of the 80s when things were starting to change. Oh. So... But um, yeah, that was the Star Wars Power and Costumes exhibit, which I I'm going down there again sometime this summer because I I want to spend some actual time, quality time and read everything that's down there. Oh yeah. So anybody who gets a chance that is even thinking about being close to Cincinnati, I live two and a half hours away. Now it was on my way back, but I'm still planning on going back down. Or actually, no, that's three and a half hours to get to that. Columbus is a little, two hours, so that's not bad. No, nice little nice little day trip. Yeah, nice little. And being that this is, if you take your time, this will be a two to three hour exhibit to go through. So the, yeah, you take drive down there, take the afternoon, look through this. There's the children's museum is still set up down there. They have a. Um, I don't know if you have like an interactive children's museum in your area, but um, I know Cleveland yeah. has the Cleveland um, Science or the Great Lakes Science Center, and Columbus has COSI, and a lot of different cities have these like really interactive kids exhibit kids museums. Well, that's what this is also, right? So that's also a part of this. So um, and that and the architecture inside, you saw the couple signs at the beginning. They had that noir kind of um, look to the signs and things. This oh, was yeah. originally now. What was interesting was this building was originally a Union Station, one of the Union Train Lines train stations. So all the tracks were under the building, so the museum is actually under the building. Oh, wow. Yeah, this whole exhibit was down in the basement, like two stories down. Um, and then the rest of the building above was still clo- was all closed off because they're, st- they're um, upgrading and uh, remodeling it all. Oh, that's awesome. So 
But that was that exhibit. And I don't know. Do we have a couple other things to talk about, you think, this week? Um, we got – how are we doing on time? Oh, we got another 20 minutes, 25 minutes, something like that. Ah, oh, sure. We got a few things we can talk about. Talk about. Let's see here. Since I've been talking for the whole show, I think it's your turn. <laughs> oh, sure. Is that how it works? <laughs> well, let's see. Let's start with uh, as soon as it comes up. All right. So we have some rumors about uh, from The Last Jedi about Snoke. Yeah. And these, I wish I, we looked, I looked earlier. I couldn't find any of the pictures from this. They're all, they've all been taken down. Uh, interesting. Yes. And this is Lego actually may have slipped a little bit on this. Uh, yeah, so let's see what we got here. Yeah, I like that it talks about the images and they're like, there's no image there. Well, it says <laughs> on, it even says in the article here, um, we got the article from Slash Film, but it says in the article that these these are leaked photos, so we won't post them here. But if you go to this place, to makingstarwars.net, you'll find the images. You go there <laughs> and they link you to two other places and none of those places have any of the pictures. <laughs> you know, while you're while you're talking about this, I'm going to see if I can find the pictures anywhere. Go, go, go. Uh, good luck. So, uh, of course, we got some details, not really much, but uh, about Snoke in uh, The Force Awakens. Uh, now, thanks to Lego, there's been who's who's releasing pictures of their Lego sets. It looks like we might have possibly some more answers, some more information about Snoke, which, uh, of course, is the big question. Who is Snoke? Uh, so, excuse me. All right, here we go. Uh, da, 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 da. I like how Says, they said Pablo Hidalgo's basically shot down every Snoke's theory anybody's ever heard, said yet. Yeah. So and everything, some merchandise is going to be hitting stores on September 1st. So then what are they going to do? Because <laughs> everybody will have the images. Pretty much. Oh, they're going to be doing another Force Friday. That's awesome. Yeah, well, hopefully they do it better this time. Yeah, hopefully. Because last time, you remember, they had they had the Force Friday, but there wasn't a whole lot out there. Mm. Okay, here's the heavy right. So it says... The images in question uh, are the boxes for a few Lego sets that will be released this fall. One is for a First Order Star Destroyer. Ooh, yeah. that sounds good. Another is a First Order Heavy Assault Walker. Oh, and the last one is a Resistance Bomber. First, let's talk about these vehicles themselves. The First Order Star Destroyer looks exactly like the one seen in The Force Awakens. However, the Assault Walker looks a little different from those that could be glimpsed in the wide shot of First Order Artillery in The Force Awakens. Yeah, I did find that one. Um, I'm going to put this in the chat here, Alrighty. this link. They're presumably the walker seen in the distance on that shot of Crate, the new planet with red dust that blows up from the ground. Yeah. In the first Finally, row of pictures here, they have um, the walker and then the bomber. You can get a picture of the minifigs and stuff. Oh. So you get you get it. It's coming up. Yeah, the walker it, looks kind of cool because it's like bulkier. It bulges out on the, in the midsections of the um, back of it. Oh yeah. And some of the figures you actually get a first look at Vice Admiral Holdo. So what are you saying? The walker's got a big butt. Well, no, it's got a big belly. <laughs> so yeah, that's really cool. And you get Poe Dameron. Like we've already heard that Poe gets a change in rank in this movie. Mm. He gets to, we get to see him as Captain Poe Dameron. But in this one, they just call him Poe Dameron. So it's not, either Lego didn't know about the change, or this is maybe from before he actually changes his rank. Mm, maybe, yeah. So, oh, those, no, those are the set, those are the figures that come with um, the bomber. Oh. But also, if you look at that resistance bomber, what it is, that's actually the what we see in the trailer in the space battle. All those, they look like um, a stylized version of the Nebulon Free 
or Nebulon B frigate, the medical frigate. Yeah. They're actually the new resistance bombers. Oh, really? I didn't you see the picture that? of that. Oh, yeah. I see. Now, let me see if I can find the, um, it, it was the first order, uh, so, Star Destroyer. Yeah. That almost looks like, um, a modern version, <clears throat> excuse me, of a B wing or something. Yeah. Well, almost. it's basically the Mon Calamari design. Right. So, ah, uh, there we go. There's the big one. But, um, yeah, the Mon- most of the Mon Cala ships have that design with the, um, with a fin hanging down. The B-Wings were Mon Calamari ships. The Nebulon B that they used for the medical frigate, that was a Calamari ship. Right. Uh, yep. Home One was one of those. Uh, and then the one in um, Rogue One, the Admiral Radice's ship was also a, a um, had that same fin design. Mm-hmm. And then here's, I got one more link to give you here. And this one has the actual Star Destroyer. And th- this one looks really cool. I mean, the top of it doesn't look super um, super crazy because that's it's kind of a flat top anyway on that Star Destroyer. Yeah. Oh, there you go. I'm yeah. Not, so um, not, I don't love the, the First Order Star Destroyers as much as the original Star Destroyers. Yeah. That's just my own personal taste, but... <laughs> Let's see. It says the um, now the, what the thing they're talking about with spoilers and who everybody is in this is in the minifigs that come with all this, right? Because the minifigs yeah. that come with the Star Destroyer, um, you get the new Supreme Leader Snoke, which I can't get a really good picture of it, but he's got some gold ro- gold robes, but it's actually a Supreme Leader Snoke minifigure. Yeah. And according crazy. to this, the the article I'm seeing here. Um, it's from geekculture.co. Uh, according to them, they say he looks a little like Lex Luthor. Yeah. But the other cool one that comes with this, like you come with a couple of stormtroopers, a couple of um, <laughs> officers, but you get a black BB-8. Mm. Yeah, it says here, uh, confirming rumors from the set, the First Order has BB-8 units of their own. Yeah, that's well, they're BB units, yeah. <coughs> Which, um... It, uh, BB, yeah. But that makes sense, because basically BB units, it looks like are... Basically, the evolution of an astromech. So right, they're yeah. the mecha- they're the mechanics of co-pilots of the um, modern age. Then at that at that point, it says the droid is black with either silver or white accents. Okay, and he appears to be named BB Nine E. Ah, interesting. Mm-hmm. <sighs> we get the heavy assault walker now. Actually, comes with um, Ray with the new hairstyle with the hair down, and she's still got the blue lightsaber. Which, let me say, I'm glad she changed her hairstyle, but <clears throat> <Yeah>. anyway. <laughs> um, we have just the ge- your general troopers. You get the resistance trooper, a first order walker driver, which actually has like a gray streak across his face, which is kind of cool. It's reminiscent yeah. of the um, elite uh, TIE pilot. Remember they had the red streak? Yep. Mm-hmm. And then you get a regular force tr- first order stormtrooper, but the- here is where we actually get the captain, Poe Dameron. And this one, tell me it doesn't look like he was raiding Han Solo's wardrobe. <laughs> Just a wee bit. So so uh, another interesting thing is uh, the bomber comes with the recently revealed character Vice Admiral Amelyn Holdo. Yes. Played by Laura Dern. So Laura Dern's getting her own Lego minifigure. That's right. Now you know you've made it when you get a, your own minifigure. Oh wait, has she ever had a Jurassic Park minifigure? I don't know. Who was she in Jurassic Park? Oh wait, no, no, no. Yeah, okay. She was in the first one. Yeah. So in the second one, I think. If it, she was, it was very short. Mm. But yeah, this one, so, it, this is the one that comes with the regular Poe Dameron, not Captain Poe Dameron. All right. So, uh, but a lot of people are speculating that this one comes with regular Poe Dameron, not Captain Poe Dameron. So the space battle that we see that this bomber's used in may be very early in the movie. Right. 
So what it says here about Snoke, it says, uh, minifigure Snoke, except he looks nothing like he did in The Force Awakens. Uh, he's normal flesh tone, not pale white. Uh, he's wearing the gold robe that you just mentioned. And it says, uh, the pale, his pale appearance in Force Awakens may have been because of the hologram itself. Uh, so maybe Snoke has always had a normal flesh tone. And the gold robe, not sure what it signifies, but it makes him look like some kind of douchebag executive. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Quite the departure from the Emperor's black robe, and the robe he's wearing in a hologram. So, yeah, so, well, we all knew that, like, with the hologram, obviously he's not going to be a giant and stuff, so. Yeah. He was, he was kind of making himself look different in the hologram. So it'll be interesting to see the real Snoke. Yeah. Well, also, they've, um, everybody's still trying to figure out. Now, in this, this article that we found didn't talk about this, but some of the other ones did. That everybody's still obviously trying to figure out who Snoke is. But we don't know. Just, this movie may not explain who Snoke is. Because, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, what's his name? Director, um, Ryan Johnson has said that we may, he may, really wasn't looking into getting into Snoke's backstory much. No. We may and, get some more clues, but yeah. that might be it. And I believe for episode nine, they're not, look, it's not a Snoke movie, so we may not get into much of the backstory there. I don't know if we may get it in a book or in one of the um, TV shows or something. Maybe. maybe I don't know. We they may must. just keep it quiet and say, you know what? He's there. Because if you look at maybe. the book so far, um, the two that get closest to this would be, what, Aftermath and Bloodlines? Yeah. The Aftermath series um, talks or shows that the Imperial Remnant taking off and leaving, and Bloodlines talks about it some too, but neither one of them have anybody who actually could be Snoke. They're, now, um, the Aftermath series had a character that I thought might be him, but then he doesn't make it through the series, so hmm. that shot down that theory. Interesting. So in case anybody hasn't read it, I'm not going to go too deep into that. <laughs> In the Aftermath series, once you get to the third book, it gets a whole, it, it takes a minute for it to actually get up and running and realize what the story actually is. The first mm. one wasn't done all that great. The second one got better, and the third one was even better than that. So The Bloodlines was a whole lot better than I expected it to be, since um, and just not knowing what it was going into it. And being a Princess Leia story, I didn't know what I was going to get into, but it was a lot of stuff about the way the um, politics in the Star Wars galaxy is working in between episodes um six and or yeah six and seven yeah i figures so um let's see what else we got here that they gave us to play with did you want to get into the um story about where which one was it uh george lucas and jj abrams yeah sure as soon as uh, there we go <laughs> yeah according to epic stream Star Wars The Force Awakens was actually an elaborate metaphor for J.J. Abrams forgiving George Lucas for the prequels. Now, that one of the biggest um, points of contention for Star Wars fans, I think, in general, is your opinion on the prequels. Because there's a lot of fans who don't like the prequels. There's a, just as many fans out there that love the prequels. And all the, a, a lot I of times, am in the category of not liking them. Okay. Well, a lot of times it's um, not always, but many times it depends on your age, too, and when you're introduced to Star Wars. Because you see a lot of younger fans that love the prequels. Because you got to think that for a lot of people, the prequels was their first Star Wars. Yeah, which I can understand that, but... Then you get people know. of our generation that the original trilogy was your first Star Wars. And now we're getting to the point where, um, there, for some for some people... 
Star Wars The Clone Wars was their star, their version of Star Wars. And they did, never actually saw it. A lot of the kids growing up never even saw the movies. They just watched The Clone Wars on TV now or Star Wars Rebels now. That's interesting to think about. Uh-huh. Well, think of this. When I was a kid, because um, the way when you were a kid, if you didn't see Star Wars in the theaters, droids and Ewoks may have been the only way you saw Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Think about it, because how hard, how much, how easy was it to get VHS copies of Star Wars back in the day? Mm. Even renting them when they first came out, they remember VHS back when you the first time you could actually rent it, it was they asked like for huge deposits on some of these movies to guarantee they got them back. So your parents yeah. may have to drop a hundred bucks that they would get back when you took the took the video back. Mm. So, but it was see, a different time back then, kids. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, you got to think that if you didn't see it in the theater, you had to wait maybe five, six years to maybe see it on TV once. Oh, yeah. And then if you didn't record it off a of television, which I'm not I'm not um, pro recording stuff off of TV. But, hey, it, that's the way it was in the 80s. Everybody, everybody had the copies of everything that they taped off of TV. Yeah. So um, but if you didn't record it when it was on, you were stuck waiting until it came through again or hopefully one of your friends had it. So but this one here, go ahead. Um, you. You put this article up, so... Yeah, this is actually kind of uh, interesting. So, this is on uh, an article on Epic Stream, and uh, it says, uh, Though Star Wars The Force Awakens was a highly successful movie, a lot of fans still continue to bash it for being too close to a no-hope. So that that didn't bother me, uh, and not really taking any risks. What people didn't realize, however... 90 degrees outside means 175... There we go. Freaking ads. Yeah, once again, (laughs) ads pop up. I got to find out where that's at now. There it is. Okay. I muted it, but I had to find it. (laughs) Mine did that, too. Uh, Anyway, where was it? What people didn't realize, however, is that the whole movie is an elaborate metaphor for J.J. Abrams basically forgiving George Lucas for the prequel trilogy, which sounds kind of odd, but let's see what they have to say. Stop. Oh, I hate pop-up ads. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Crack.com's analysis explains that Lucas's original trilogy was already supposed to symbolize his own journey as a person, with Luke standing in as his fictional counterpart. And The Force Awakens opens with the line, Luke Skywalker has vanished. Now, wait a minute. They're taking. They're starting with an article from Crack.com? I know. Is that a satire <laughs> website? I thought so, but... That's like pulling your news off the onion. I know. But we'll continue because it's still some interesting uh, point. Whether or not this is actually true, it's still kind of an interesting article. Uh, Even Luke's journey in restarting the Jedi Academy and failing can be compared to Lucas trying to make three more Star Wars movies that were considered terrible by fans, most fans. See, wait a minute, wait wait a minute, yeah. It says terrible by fans. That's actually not not all fans thought they were terrible. Yeah. And most people, like even yourself, that said you're not a fan of the prequels, there's still stuff in there you like. Yes, there is. Yep. There is some awesome stuff in there that um, that even the original trilogy fans love, like the battle between Obi-Wan and Anakin at the end of Revenge of the Sith. That's got to yep. be one of the greatest lightsaber duels of all time. Yep. Uh, some of the space uh, battles were amazing in those movies. Oh, yeah. Darth Maul. Yeah. See, and even I, that, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> even I personally like. Um, I liked seeing the progression of the emperor as, you know, as he went from, from, uh, Senator Palpatine to the actual emperor. I liked seeing how that all progressed. Yeah. So for so me, that was calling them terrible movies. I don't think works. 
Because <laughs> even fans that didn't like them found plenty of stuff that they enjoyed in it. Right. Now, it says, uh, what's more, the First Order is a metaphor for the prequels themselves. First Order, as in Episode 1, Episodes 1, 2, and 3. They're the only part of the movie to ever reference the prequels, and their leader is a CG character compared to the rest of the movie that had practical alien costumes. Well, before we go much farther, of course the other movies didn't reference the prequels because they weren't written yet. They hadn't been made yet, so none of the details were there. So... Uh, it's like when they made the original trilogy, they had met, they did reference the prequel stuff. They re- referenced the Clone Wars. They referenced that Obi Wan had fought in the Clone Wars with Leia's father. Stuff like that. Some yeah. of that stuff that we actually do see later, but they just didn't have details yet, so they couldn't have made major references to it. Well, I don't. I think. Hold on. There we go. I think what they're saying is uh, stop. I think they're saying that the rest of the movie of just the Force Awakens didn't really uh, reference the prequels at all. Well, no, they said that, no, this one is saying that, um, wait a minute. It's talking about the First Order is the only ones that actually reference the prequels. Uh, it says the First Order is a metaphor for the prequels. Um, they are the only ones that actually reference the prequels. Okay. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. The only okay. part of the movie. Well, that, you gotta <clears> think also, anybody, most of the people, 90% of everybody in the Resistance didn't know anything about the, or were not alive during the Clone Wars. And, uh, yeah, um, that's being in the, the First Order, being in, um, basically the modern version of the Empire, they probably still have some of the records and stuff of the Empire going back to the Galactic Republic. The military records are always kept a lot more than other records. So they would have been taught this is the way the Clone Wars were fought and things like that. Mm. All right, so next it says, uh, J.J. Abrams. Are you kidding me? Another freaking (laughs) pop-up? Well, I can read through it while that's up. It says, J.J. Abrams was also known to be reluctant in accepting the director job. Much like Ray and her refusal of the Force in the beginning of the film, he and she both only warms up to the idea of facing their destiny after some pep talk from wise from wise old woman Kathleen Kennedy or Maz Kanata, depending on which one you're talking about. <laughs> which is interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, how Kathy Kennedy would feel about being compared to, to Maz Kanata, but... Yeah. Well, they're just I trying to find any parallels they can in this, especially like with the next one, too. Yeah, Finn. Uh, he's... Oh, man. It says Finn, he was actually um, Lawrence Kasdan's, uh, um, basically it's Lawrence Kasdan's role in the filmmaking was the Finn character. Um, Lawrence Kasdan, who worked on the original trilogy but bailed uh, bailed out on the prequels, much like Finn bailed out on the First Order. You still have problems with the pop-up ads? Nope. Uh, And then it says, and in the end, Rey accepts her destiny and journeys to find Luke Skywalker ready to be taught. You can say that this is looking too much into the script, but you have to admit that there are too many coincidences to make total sense. Yeah, see, it's it's an interesting thing, but I don't know. I'd like to hear – I'd actually like to hear J.J. Abrams' thoughts on this. Yeah. Well, when we did our um, actual reviews of The Force Awakens and stuff – or yeah, we did Force – we were around during Force Awakens, weren't we? I don't know. But um, (laughs) when we talked about The Force Awakens, I – I had pointed out other places, and I don't know if it was here, that, um, yes, it's very similar to the prequel, or to the um, A New Hope, 
But I think what that was was they had to establish a baseline saying, yes, and tell show everybody that they can make a Star Wars movie that feels like Star Wars. Right. And then from there, you can change things and actually move in a d- different direction. But you had to start, uh, because this is not George Lucas making Star Wars, and that's all we've ever had, they had to show that, hey, we can make Star Wars that feels like Star Wars, it sounds like Star Wars, it smells like Star Wars, it sounds right. like Star Wars. Which they did. That's exactly what they did, yeah. And now from here, and, you can push the envelope. And additionally... You know, they they were bringing in new characters. So, but you also wanted, you also, you didn't want to just keep the focus on the new characters because you wanted to keep fans happy with, with the legacy characters. So it's all kind of, you got to kind of balance all of that. Yeah. It's so. like balancing the force. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's a totally different rabbit hole to jump down to balance of the force. Mm. Yeah, what is the balance of the force? Yeah, that that'll be a discussion for a later episode. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we have time for that one on this one. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this they draw some interesting um, comparisons and stuff. So, but I think we're starting to run a little low here. Uh, since Mike's not here, I do have to give an homage to Mike, and I actually do have the comics that are going to be up between now and the next show, at least for the next week. Ah, yes. So, and next week actually we have three Star Wars comics coming out. Now, the week after, this is um, these are for I believe the new comic day, the twenty first, June. 21st but the 28th marvel doesn't have up what comics are coming out or at least i couldn't find it but we do have three the first one we got coming up is um now you've been reading some of the star wars comics haven't you yes i have well i've first been reading one, all of them <laughs> oh okay well first one up we have um star wars poe dameron annual number one this is um poe dameron has never been one of the one to follow the rules uh so when he disobeys a direct order from general leia organa and gets stranded in the First Order space with no ship and little oxygen, how will he survive? So I wonder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Next up, you get Darth Vader number two. And this one, ah. uh, join Darth Vader as he learns a new way, the way of Darth Sidious and his newly formed empire, the way of the dark side. Oh. That sounds like just a, dis- a description of the whole series, not just episode or issue two. <laughs> I suppose it does. And then we move from Darth Vader to Darth Maul, number four. Darth Maul and his crew of bounty hunters have captured Eldra, the hunted Jedi Padawan. But Zev Zrexis uh, will not give up her prize without a fight. There's a new bounty out, and the reward for whoever defeats Maul and captures the Padawan is worth dying for. Not to mention, Eldra isn't leaving without a fight, either. So, that's the books I found when I was looking to see what's coming up. So, is there anything else you wanted to cover before we get ready to wrap up the show tonight? Um, no, I think, uh, I think we got everything, really. Okay. This has been a little different because Mike's not been here. Hopefully, Mike, you get out of detention cell and are able to make it for the next show. We're coming for you, Mike. We're coming for you. That's right. We're planning. We're planning the breakout. Well, maybe we shouldn't announce it. But. Oh well, the Empire doesn't listen to this anyway. But this is a this is a rebel bro- rebel broadcast. They got they don't have the codes. That's right. As far as we know. Yeah, exactly. So, well, if you don't have anything else, uh, we just got to say one thing. Give the evacuation code signal. All right, cut the chatter. Jets, I can hold it. Pull up. No, I'm all right. information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost R2.